Hello, and welcome back to Demigod Disasters, a Percy Jackson podcast where I, your host, Andy, am both a demigod and a disaster. This week, we'll be talking about chapters 6 through 10, and we'll get to learn all about Camp Half-Blood and about Percy Jackson's own father. Stay tuned! Welcome back! Hi, thank you so much for coming back. Oh my gosh, um, this is so exciting. I definitely wasn't expecting more than just like my two friends to listen to this. So the fact that there's more than two people is really crazy. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've gotten some kind of enjoyment out of this or at least a little bit of a refresher of The Lightning Thief. And I'm just so grateful that literally anybody is listening to this. Thank you so much. There has been a lot that's happened um, in the Percy Jackson TV world since I um, last uploaded. One of the things is that we got new posters. Isn't that so exciting? I was literally so thrilled. I thought that they looked amazing. I love the 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 like the aesthetics that we're getting. It just looks like it's gonna be so so cool, and I can't wait to be able to just have like this full universe on screen. I'm so excited. We also did get episode titles, which technically we got before. Like, technically we've seen these before, but, you know, I just wanted to throw it out there that the first two episodes, which were airing both on December 20th, have the same titles of the the chapters that we're kind of going with. And I think that that means that we're going to line up, like these first two episodes are going to line up pretty perfectly. The first episode is called I Accidentally Vaporized My Pre-Algebra Teacher, which is the first chapter of the book. The second episode is called I Become Supreme Lord of the Bathroom, which is the, like, perfectly lines up with what it is that we're doing too. Um, The start of chapter six chapter six is called i become supreme lord of the bathroom um and the very next episode we visit the garden gnome emporium is right where we end so we end right before that chapter title which is chapter um it's chapter 11 i just have to i I need to count (laughs) i'm just checking my book making sure i'm right but like so cool that like we're I, i totally forgot that we're perfectly lined up so if you just listen to these first two episodes you are set for everything that's going to be kind of like attempted to be portrayed in the first two episodes of the TV show, which is crazy. I'm so excited. All of that aside, welcome back. We last left off where Chiron was revealed to be an actual centaur with an actual horse butt, um, and he's about to give Percy a tour of the camp. And so when I was reading through these chapters, I realized like, there's a lot of there's a lot of information and like world building that's kind of just dumped onto us throughout them and like in the book it makes sense because it's like you're learning and you're going through things but like <laughs> as we as we go through these this this little section in particular it was really hard to it, it's it's just really distracting to go back and forth between like and then this happened and then these like mythological world building stuff is explained back and forth, back and forth. So I'm just going to present it to you all as let's just talk a little bit about Camp Half-Blood and Percy Jackson world building and like what we learn in these chapters. (laughs) And once we finish, we'll take a little break. And by a little break, 
probably just me walking away and then coming right back. I'll try and like, you know, give you a second. Like we'll 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 think for like a hot second. You should drink some water. Throwing that out there because I should drink some water. So, <laughs> so as we go into this, because this is a little bit of a marathon, I did feel a little bit like I was back in college because when I was in college, I worked in admissions for my, my college campus and I felt like I was gathering all of the facts to put in the brochures to send to prospective students. So, so this is me, um, being an admissions assistant once again, (laughs) if you've ever worked in an admissions office, you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Um, so I hope you enjoy, uh, so as we go into Camp Half-Blood and Percy Jackson world building, woo! Um, Camp Half-Blood is a home to demigods, primarily. If I had actual, like, proper stats, I would tell you them, but I only have the approximations that Percy gives, and as we know, Percy is not very good at math, but we can go off of what he's given us. There's about 100 campers, ranging in ages from 7 to probably college-aged. The oldest that we hear, like, by number is Luke. Luke, who we meet in these, these chapters, um, he's 19, but we don't really meet anybody older than him besides like obviously Chiron and Mr. G and Grover because satyrs like are like twice as their their ages are very different to 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 demigods I think he's like 28 but he like has been stuck in like a middle school mindset for years it's a whole thing um but we do learn there's about 100 campers there's a few dozen satyrs and about a dozen wood nymphs and naiads. There's likely more nymphs and naiads. I just don't think Percy's ever really seen them all in one spot. But this is like the approximation that he gives of what it is that's happening. Who's around. So what are demigods? Demigods are the children of gods and mortals. Hence half god, demigod. Also hence half blood, half mortal blood, half god blood, whatever. Um... And they tend to have ADHD and dyslexia. Annabeth gives Percy um, kind of this like cool like intimidation speech where she's like, I know what you are, but it's not her calling him gay. It's instead her saying that he's hardwired for ancient Greek and that's why he has dyslexia and that the ADHD is actually his like battle reflexes um, so that he can like survive on a battlefield. And also that he's just really aware of what's actually happening around him because he can see through the mist. He sees too much and that's what's like distracting is kind of the way she frames it. It is really nice because we get to remember that the Percy Jackson story really started as um, a bedtime story for Rick's, Rick Riordan, the author's child Haley, who was struggling with ADHD and dyslexia in school and Percy... Percy, Percy, (laughs) Percy came out. No. Um, and Rick created this story as a way to kind of help his son see the positives of these learning disabilities. Um, I think it was just really cool. I know when I was younger, it really helped me have a framework for what ADHD was. And I definitely like saw myself in these characters. And it was one of the things that helped me see like, Hmm, maybe, maybe I do have ADHD. Because I, I can identify so much with the things that are in these books that aren't necessarily just um, about, like, being a hero. <laughs> it's also the other messy stuff. And, I mean, lo and behold, I do have ADHD. So, what does that say? But, uh, regardless, that's kind of, like, the premise of who are these demigods. We learned that um, in Camp Half-Blood, 
It's pretty safe from monsters. They can't get into camp. Monsters can't get into camp unless they are strictly summoned for jokes, practices, or to have a stock in the woods because you're not supposed to go in the woods unprepared. The more you know, there's just, just like this magical border around Camp Half-Blood. And we learn a little bit more about that later, but I want to save that little bit with um, Talia and Grover as actual plot because I feel like that's more, you know, gritty plot. Um, we also learn that monsters don't have souls the same way that demigods and mortals do. This is something that in the Percy Jackson universe gets like expanded on and reflected on, even in like the last two books. So like the Think the Sun and the Star, we spend so much time thinking about what is a monster soul. But for the sake of the lightning thief, just know that monsters can get reformed sometime after they're killed. Their soul equivalent goes to Tartarus and it reforms there can come back terrorize the demigods all over again you know so just know that that's a thing (laughs) uh the demigods which are you know the kids at camp they have things called ambrosia and nectar and these are the food of the gods they can use these things but only in small portions if they have too much they can burn up but they can use them because they are half god and it helps them heal a lot more they also take on the taste of the comfort foods or things that you might be craving at the time so uh, at the start of Percy's time at Camp Half-Blood, we see him in the infirmary. He's drinking something yummy, yummy, yummy. It tastes like the blue chocolate chips that Sally Jackson would make him. Because it was nectar. Nectar's a drinking one. Ambrosia's the, the, the one that's like little lemon bars. That's ambrosia. There you go. <laughs> we also know that Camp Half-Blood exports goods like strawberries to New York restaurants as well as to Olympus itself as a way to make profit which is so interesting okay i (laughs) rereading this i've had so many more questions i'm like the kids are working it the kids and the satyrs and the nymphs are working these fields with strawberries and like we have dionysus magic to like help help them kind of get along because he can't do grapes because he can't have wine you know as we've learned but do these kids get paid (laughs) are we paying these kids especially because there's like there's so many there's so many things I'll, I'll keep going once we once we get to the other part um but just keep that in your mind as we go through uh we learned that weather doesn't really have an impact on camp it's kind of under a protective bubble similar to the protective borders it also protects from the weather Woo! so when like weather makes it into camp half-blood oh, weather's always in camp half-blood the weather is just really pleasant so like rain and and snow and those things don't really happen to camp but like it's always like a sunny day in the nice part of summer not the part of summer where you're dying of heat the nice part of summer so that's kind of the framing there are there are so many amenities slash things to do at camp um, there's an armory, there's archery range, there's a lake you can canoe in. It's the only thing Percy's good at, but it's okay. There's stables, there's a javelin range, amphitheater arena, outdoor mess hall, but you do have to offer the gods some of your food into the fire, you know, burn it up for them. Um, <laughs> there's a metal shop where you can have your own sword, make your own armor. There's arts and crafts rooms. There's climbing walls with all exclusive lava Um, there's a volleyball court and there's a camp store. Okay, this is back to what I was just talking about. (laughs) There's a camp store. How are they paying? (laughs) What, what, what money does this camp store take? And how are these kids supposed to get the money? How, like, does Annabeth buy anything at the camp store? Or is she just perpetually poor? Because as we learn, she's like, she came in when she was like seven. And 
how how is she supposed to get any money? <laughs> how is she how is she supposed to have any money? You know, I don't I don't and like Luke later on like steals from the camp store which implies that you have to pay to get items. So it's not just a resource, it's like an actual store. Who's who can afford anything? Like is it is it is it like the corner store in like a a, a college campus? Where everything's like really overpriced, but it's the only one available that has like anything that you might need. Like they have the toothbrushes and stuff, but like it's like five dollars for a toothbrush. You know, like is that is that what's going on? I don't know. I have I have so many questions. <laughs> are we exploiting these kids? We are, but are we exploiting these kids? I don't know. Interesting. Um, we also learned that where you get to live on camp is in the t- one of the twelve cabins. Um, the cabins are laid out in a U shape with Zeus and Hera at the head and then there's five cabins on each side there's two honorary cabins in total with artemis and hera as they don't have any kids um but there's two other cabins that are empty and that's zeus and poseidon's cabins interesting hades doesn't have a cabin because he doesn't have a seat at mount olympus and so a little side note i think it's really funny (laughs) throughout this section throughout like a lot of this like exposition thing we get a lot of people yelling at Percy for saying the actual names of things. And I think it's so funny because he's been learning Latin in the Latin. He's been learning in his Latin class that like the gods are real. Not, oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm so jambled. I think it's really weird because Percy's been learning about like Greek gods in school and has been saying the names of the Greek gods in school in his classes but now it's all of a sudden like now Zeus is gonna rumble every single time he says something and now it's really bad if he says his name but everybody's like oh my god like everybody like freaks out as if like (laughs) as if like Percy had just said the most heinous thing ever when he like mentions anything by name and it's like the kid is trying to piece the things together let him let him figure it out (laughs) guys you could it's okay calm down it's not that serious I mean it is but like it's not that serious um we also learn, I mean, we talked about how Zeus, Poseidon cabins are empty, but they're like infamous for having kids in mythology. We learn that there's this thing called the Big Three Pact. This is not my favorite thing. <laughs> this is this is not my favorite thing. Um, basically, the way Rick writes it is that at, at World War II, the, the head of our enemy uh, of Nazi Germany that there was a lot of children of Hades involved, particularly implying that 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 the big bad that Hitler was um, a child of Hades, and that the children of of the big three are just so powerful, right, that they can cause all this destruction, which I think is such an awful starting point for this this kind of. I just I don't think we should have gone this way, um, but we're here, I guess, and. Um, in that, when the war is won, Zeus and Poseidon go to Hades and they're like, no more kids. You can't have kids. We're not going to have kids because our kids are too powerful. And that's what, like what the agreement ends up being. And so there's this pact between the big three that there should be no more kids of the big three. We learn that that pact was broken by Zeus We'll talk about that in a little bit in the second kind of half of the episode. But that is a thing that happens. Not my favorite information um, or like attempted world building. But 
it is a thing in the book so just that's a thing um we do also learn that campers can be um can stay on camp year-round or only visit in the summer we see that annabeth luke and clarice are year-rounders and they have also gone to olympus which is uh, on the 600th floor of the Empire State Building. It's really funny. Annabeth kind of digs up Percy and is like, aren't you from New York? Why don't you know this? <laughs> as if as if everybody can go to Mount Olympus at any point. <laughs> so I, I think that was a, a cute moment of Annabeth not really realizing what life is like outside of camp. Um, but we do learn that campers are sorted by their godly parents and they live in those respective cabins. If a cabin exists for that god. If the kid is unclaimed or undetermined, as they like to say, they are hosted by the Hermes cabin because Hermes welcomes all. And that's cabin 11. That's where Percy's being sent at the end of chapter five and where he like ends up settling in for most of these chapters. (laughs) Not all of them, but um, we do kind of see that like if there isn't a cabin for that god, they're probably still going to be in the Hermes cabin. It's not directly stated, but like where else would they go? <laughs> There's no cabin for them. You know. <sighs> yeah. Where else would they go? There's literally no cabin for them. They're just kind of left. If there's, if they're, if, say like at one point Grover's like, maybe you're just like a child of nemesis. Like that'd be so much easier or something like that. And even if that was true, he would, Percy would stay in his little tiny corner of the Herbie's cabin because there's nowhere to go. There's no cabin for those. Um, but we also learn in all of this that there's a lot of kids that go fully unclaimed, aka uh, the gods are deadbeats. Deadbeat parents who don't claim their kids, don't call for birthdays, don't pay child support, just give these kids a more dangerous life and then abandon them fully. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> that's something to to keep in mind all of the kids who are are, who oh my gosh all of the kids who are in specific cabins have been claimed at some point by their godly parent so annabeth was claimed by athena clarice was claimed by Ares. luke was actually claimed by hermes um and it's not a thing that always happens but it does happen occasionally you also know that oh (laughs) what am i saying um also good to know that you mainly hang out with your cabin or host cabin if you're unclaimed almost all of the time like most of your lessons will be with your cabin mates um when you go i keep doing that weird breathing thing where i go and i hate it i hate it so much i can hear it so clearly and i don't know why i do it okay (laughs) sorry 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 i keep doing it okay We learn that once you're sorted into a cabin, that's who you spend basically all of your time with. So whether or not you're claimed and you spend all of your time with Cabin 11, even though you're not actually a Cabin 11 kid, you will spend all of your time with them. And this includes like the mess hall and stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting because we see these really empty cabins, fully empty cabins, and we get to see the Hermes cabin, which is stuffed to the brink. Because those kids are not able to go anywhere else. Because none of the other gods will host them in their cabin. Even for like things like lunch or dinner at the mess hall. The tables are like strictly for each cabin. So even if one table is like super, super full and the other tables have nobody there, they can't go to that table. 
just not allowed. So fun facts for you. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, where am I? There I am. Oh, we're almost at the end. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm really struggling to talk about this. It feels like I'm like going through a marathon. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, we see that campers get a bead every year that they survive, um, being alive at camp. So, so towards like the end of August in the summer rotation so that everybody can get one. Cause you know, cause then you have the summer kids and the year rounders, then you'll get a bead that summarizes or like symbolizes something big from the last year. We see that Annabeth and Luke both have five beads. Interesting facts. Percy starts off, he's got nothing, but he's got the cord so he can add beads, which will be fun. We also learn that you can only leave Camp Half-Blood if you are given a quest or you are granted special permission by Mr. D and Chiron. Very interesting. <laughs> Very interesting that they're kind of like held down. You're like, you cannot leave. Very interesting. Curious. Interesting. We do. <laughs> I was When I was reading about um, Percy and the prophecy and the quest, I was having... I was having, like, one of those, like, moments where I was like, this is a bureaucracy, you know? Like, this is just, like, the absolute nonsense of a bureaucracy. Because in order to get a quest, the oracle needs to give you a prophecy, but you have to accept the quest before you can see the oracle. At least that was the case with Percy. And so I was just like, so you have to just accept the fact that, like, if you go up to the oracle and they have, like, the worst prophecy ever, you just have to take it. But also, if you go up to the oracle and the oracle doesn't give you a prophecy, you don't go on a quest. <laughs> but you already accepted to go on a quest, so now you're, like, being let down. I don't know. I think it was very a weird, like, setup for that whole thing. The oracle, who tells us all these prophecies, lives in the attic of the big house, which is, um, like, a farmhouse kind of towards the middle of camp. Actually, I don't know if it's towards the middle or, like, by the infirmary which is like towards the entrance i think i'm not sure but the thoughts um it's called the big house it's like blue with like white trim all cute and the oracle lives specifically in the attic and they're referred to oftentimes as like dead but like they're not dead and when when we see them it's it's very bizarre this this oracle is like their their flesh isn't really living but like their soul is still present inside their flesh it's very bizarre um <laughs> it's very bizarre but like all of this like green smoke comes out of them when they say a prophecy so that i guess that's kind of cool um I, we also get a little little tidbit of <laughs> fun facts that we get packages um from ithaca circe's island and land of the amazons if you don't know what that's about that's cool. You will find out, hopefully, at some point, if you stick around. <laughs> but I just thought those are cute little Easter eggs if you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, that was that was basically a lot of the like world-building stuff that was going on. So we'll take a little pause, a little drink. We'll take a little sip of our water or whatever beverage you have chosen for your time 
I was going to say for your day, but uh, you know, might be nighttime. What do I know? What do I know <laughs> when you're listening to this? I don't know anything. And um, we will reconvene to talk about the order of the plot. Well, I guess not the order of the plot, but like, and we will reconvene to talk about what happens in chapters six through 10. Now that we've gotten so much of this world building out of the way. All right. Sick. See you soon. Hi. Welcome back. Did you drink some water? I, I really hope you did. I should have drank more water. Mm, mm. I had like a little sparkling seltzer. I've been trying to really hard to get into seltzers. If you have any good recommendations, please let me know. I've tried LaCroix and I can't do it. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's too much. I think it's too much. The only thing I've been like okay with has been the like Target brand version of it. I'm sure that there's like actually good ones somewhere out in the world, but I have not had the time or energy to look into it so if you have good recommendations please let me know anyways <laughs> let's go back to percy jackson sorry okay so now that we've got a lot of that world building down locked and loaded let's get into what actually goes down let it be known i'm going to try and not make this episode 10 million years long but there is a lot of stuff that happens in this like exposition period and i think something that we also have to remember is that there is so much that happens in this book, book i said that very funny <laughs> there's so much that happened in this book and there's only so much that can be covered in the span of any kind of adaptation right and so i'm just saying it because not everything that we read in the book is going to show up on screen and that's okay because it would literally <laughs> It would, it would need to be infinitely long for it to actually have every single individual detail because there are so many tiny details. So we're just going to do like as much as we can. Let it be known I want to do as much as we can, but I also don't want to take up forever. So <laughs> that's that. So, all right. We've got all of this, this lore. We met Chiron Chiron but that's what we met Chiron is now taking Percy on a tour we're learning a lot of the things that we've just talked about with all of the world building we also learn that Percy was Grover's second chance so remember how we talked about before that like Grover's kind of in a rough place because he might be like losing his job right right um this was Grover's second chance to fix what he had done wrong the first time that he tried to do his job we aren't getting any specifics about like what happened during this first time or like when this first time occurred, but that he had, but we, what we do know is that he had previously failed question mark, um, an attempt at his job that happened about five years ago. And also remember beads, one a year, Annabeth and Luke have how many beads? Five beads. The dots are connecting. The math is mathing. We are seeing things unfold. Um, we also learned that Grover is actually 28 years old, <laughs> which is a fun little detail because uh, Seder's mature half as fast. And so he's been a middle schooler mentally for almost six years, which is painful. Being a middle schooler is really hard. <laughs> Being stuck as a middle schooler for six years. Oof, oof, that must be hard. That must be so difficult. <laughs> I could, I don't wish that upon my worst enemy, let me just say. Um, I did think it was funny, though, that 
Percy asks Chiron, like, how old is Grover? Did you guys not celebrate his birthday? Are you a fake friend, Percy? Why don't you know how old Grover is? Why, why, why don't you know? I mean, it was also probably just, like, the framing that Chiron had said it, but I was like, that's such a weird thing to ask when I thought that you guys were, like, besties. Okay, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe reevaluate what you think bestieism means, Percy. I don't know. We do start to get Percy asking questions about a specific topic, uh, which is the underworld and how it works and who's gone and stuff like that and he starts to do this a lot throughout these chapters even when he's not asking it out loud he's thinking it we see it in his narration he's really wondering like oh you can hear the cars nearby all right uh, he's really wondering hey what kind of like workarounds are happening with the underworld you know like just let me like twirl my hair look all cute like can people come back or like do people make it back if they go down like can we get some details and you can just tell that he's starting to think about can i get my mom out of there you know he's like he's definitely starting to think about that percy percy i mean if i was him i would also be thinking about that so i can't really blame him but you know suspicious suspicious behavior uh, we get to see all of the cabins in real time. They all have a little unique design. We get cute little descriptions for each of them. I think it's so like neat and fun. But we do also get a little special moment if you've read the books all the way through. This is a fun little thing to point out early on. If you haven't, you know, bookmarked this in your brain. We have a girl tending the hearth here in like the middle of camp. And we just see her. We don't say hi to her. We just see that there's a girl there. She's doing her thing interesting <laughs> bookmark it for later friends bookmark that for later okay um and as we're going through the 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 like big u with all the cabins percy is compelled to peek into cabin three which is poseidon's cabin and he has such an interesting reaction i think it's so fascinating that he specifically focuses on how sad and lonely it feels in that cabin and also how much that cabin reminds him of how montauk smells Oh my gosh, I'm so sleepy. I'm so sorry. Um, I think that this connection is ha just has to be so direct, right? Like, it's the it's almost like the cabin is mimicking Percy's emotional state, right? Because he is currently like sad and probably feeling very lonely. Like, he just lost his mom. He has one friend here, and everything else is super overwhelming. <laughs> right so, it's, so he must feel lonely and in, in this situation but i think it's also kind of calling back to sally whenever they would go to montauk and it's almost like the cabin is beckoning percy home because it's like reflecting percy to himself but also reflecting his mom because it's calling on those memories i thought it was so interesting that we have this little moment i think it's really neat i think it's it's really cool um we do get the clarification that Chiron is, in fact, that Chiron. Uh, we, I kind of gave it to you earlier, but we get the final clarification, you know, and, and we learn, like, his life is tied to humanity's need for him. So this is something that Chiron wished upon himself. Okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. I should care more. I should care more. I'm sorry. It's something that he wishes upon himself. Um, and he's like, you know, as long as 
humanity needs me. I want to live to be able to help them. And so I thought that was interesting. Um, that like he's immortal, but he's not. So like, I wonder if there's a world where like there's a a fine like there's probably like some kind of fan fiction somewhere where there's a final like Chiron is dying and that means that we're done, you know? And it can either be a very hopeful like we're done or a very <laughs> tragic we're done, you know? And I I don't know. I'm I'm sure there's a fanfic somewhere out there and I think that's a interesting thing to tie Chiron to. Um yeah. We do meet Annabeth again. Hi, girl. And we go over to Cabin 11. And let me tell you, it is overbooked. Cabin 11 is filled to the brim. And these these kids are not, they are not looking super cheerful. <laughs> Annabeth introduces Percy. And he's like, oh my god, this is my big moment. Like, I gotta show up. I gotta, I gotta be cool. And he trips walking in, <laughs> which is so incredible. <laughs> so amazing he's he's my favorite loser (laughs) like the way that he just could not like ah, this kid like imagine being a camper in cabin 11 and you're like oh we're getting the the new kid the new kid the kid who lost his mom and who like killed the minotaur out right outside of camp like oh i wonder what he's gonna be like and you see him for the first time and he fucking trips oh my god I'm sorry, I shouldn't curse, but like, but like he trips in. That's so funny. <laughs> um, and like we get the question of is he regular or under un? Oh my god, I can't speak. Is he regular or undetermined? Annabeth Mies immediately is like undetermined, and there everyone groans so loudly, and I think that's really funny, but also really tragic. Percy doesn't know what's going on, and he's just like, why is everyone upset to meet me? You know, like. <laughs> this poor kid this poor kid but we do get to meet luke is the camp counselor for cabin 11 he is about 19 years old he's the oldest person that we have officially met that's a half-blood we don't know any half-bloods that are older than him it's not a very high age but in theory they're supposed to be out in the world right so something to note he seems super cool like eh, like like too cool for percy cool and he has the, the scar on his face below his right eye to his jaw. This is the only time I will really mention anything about what characters look like because it doesn't matter anymore. We have we have characters. <laughs> we have we have characters. We do. We have actors playing these characters, and that's just what the canon is now in my brain. So I'm not gonna be describing whatever features are in the book if they're not like pivotal to the plot. So heads up. I'm sure you must have noticed by now, but I'm saying it again. Um, but also we get, we get like, oh my gosh, this girl, this girl, sorry, this girl, <laughs> Annabeth is like blushing. Girl is a tomato. She has, she has to have a crush. Like, I know that this can be controversial being like, no, like Annabeth never liked him like that. Like this writing, this writing is the writing you do of a, of a girl who has a crush and listen, I just, I, I've seen this so much. I've experienced this so much where like, it doesn't matter. Like sometimes, sometimes a girl just has a crush on someone who's fully unattainable and doesn't actually want anything out of that crush. And sometimes that's just what it is. And I think that that's what this is. But she is, she is blushing. She is, she is so rosy pink. She is tomato core. 
Um, those are contradicting statements. Alas, you pick which visual you'd prefer. <laughs> Evan is super full, so what what can they do? Uh, Luke gives Percy this like tiny corner, and Percy's like about to set his minotaur horn down, and he's like, "Oh wait, Hermes is a the god of thieves. I'm gonna hold on to this." <laughs> I think that's kind of a funny little detail, but yeah. Um, also, God bless Percy's soul. Like, <laughs> he just start asking questions. He's like. He's like, how long am I here for? Uh, until you're determined. When does that happen? Like, how long does that take? And everybody's like looking at him. And Elizabeth's like, not having it. She's like, she like drags him out. She's like, I'm going to show you the volleyball court. Drags him out. And she's like, you're embarrassing me. Pull yourself together. <laughs> That's so funny. She was so over it. She was like, we're not doing this. We're not playing games. You need to pull yourself together. <laughs> uh, but we do get this really great conversation between Annabeth and Percy she kind of lays out like what is a demigod how do monsters work um you yourself are a demigod I know what you are but not in a gay way just in a I know you're a demigod um and this is also when she does the 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 HD and dyslexia and how that plays into being a demigod it's it's a really lovely conversation I think she also has I'm excited to see this one because I think this is a really powerful conversation because it gives us insight into Annabeth and the fact that she really wants to prove herself and is really jealous of the fact that Percy got to basically prove himself for like free. You know, he didn't have to work really hard to do it. He just was given the opportunity and she's been like working so hard for over five years of trying to get a chance to prove herself and she hasn't gotten it so like i i too would be jealous if i've been working on something for so long and this lame kid who trips in on his big entrance drools in his sleep <laughs> got it before me you know like i would i would also be i would also be upset i i can't blame her it's it's interesting because that's like one of our first like real insights into Annabeth and, and some of her motivations. Oh, I just, I love her. I love her so much. Um, in this, we also get to meet Clarice. She's walking by and she's like, ha ha ha, fresh meat. Clarice is an Aries kid and her main personality trait is that she's mean. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love complex characters. Um, she does have a spear from her dad, Aries. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a gift, and she has it out for Percy. She's like, fresh meat, I'm going to demolish him. I'm going to make him wish he was never born. You know, like, that's kind of her goal. And she's she's trying to, like, you know, be, like, the bully queen. Uh, <laughs> to, like, you know, assert her dominance. And uh, the infamous Persassi comes out. Uh, I hope that you know of this Persassi meme. It's been making circles all over again as people revisit the lightning thief on social media. Uh, but basically, it was this like stick figure drawing from like back when. I remember seeing it for the first time on Tumblr so long ago. So, so long ago. <laughs> but it's like a stick figure drawing of Percy. And it's just him like with his hands on his hips. And he's just going, deal with it. <laughs> It was like very very funny for like a while and then it was like overused 
and it has been so long since I've seen it that like this resurgence has made it funny for me again. I'm like laughing at it again every time I see it. I think it's really funny. <laughs> but you know, uh, Percy is giving Clarice some sass and he kind of like tells Annabeth like, no, like I'm going to fight my own fight. You let me fight my own fight. And Annabeth's just kind of like full term. She's like, okay, I'm gonna watch. <laughs> like, so, you know, there we go. And Percy's like amping himself up. And then Clarice just pulverizes him immediately. Just like catches him off guard, drags him into the girl's bathroom, and is about to like dunk his head in the toilet. And then he describes this like pulling feeling at his gut. In his, in his gut? He, he feels something pulling. I don't, I don't remember where, but he, he's feeling this, this yanking and he like kind of leans into it and water starts to shoot out of the toilet over Percy and like fully like pushing Clarice off of him, uh, pushing Clarice and also the other Aries campers who were, uh, you know, in her little gang helping Clarice beat up Percy. And they're like being fully pushed back and she's, she's, she's getting like upset. She's like trying to fight back. But, you know, it just gets more intense. They're in the, the bathrooms and not only are the toilets now going, every single one, but also all of the showers. And they are getting, like, hosed out of the bathroom by this, like, water pressure, like, fully pushing them out. And, <laughs> and, and like, at the end of it, person, like, looks around. He's like, what the heck, right? Uh, Annabeth is drenched. She was just standing there, like, watching, and she, she is drenched in water. She is completely soaking wet. And Percy's, like, the only person who's dry. There's, like, a full, like, dry circle around him. And, <laughs> and, and Percy has the audacity to go out and then still antagonize Clarice even more in front of everyone. Like, dude, like, <laughs> move on. <laughs> get over it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I get it. He's going through it his mom just died i understand i understand but also like oh my god this kid don't, don't keep picking fights i don't know <laughs> move on <laughs> let it go <laughs> um but that was a fun thing uh keep annabeth keeps doing the tour uh because of course she does yeah but she ends up looking at percy and going you know i'm thinking that i want you on my team for capture the flag after this whole like incident and i mean dear listener i'm sure that at this point you have suspicions as to who percy's parent is you know i i think i think we all have our guesses of who his godly parent is i think your guess is probably right you know <laughs> and we will see that you know in a little bit yeah it probably is right um but you know we're still playing with the mystery it's okay it's okay we're, we're, we're leaning into it. We're having fun. Um, they continue their tour. She's still, like, soaking wet. She, she's, she, she doesn't have a chance to change, apparently. Um, and right when they're about to part ways, Percy tries this interesting thing where he's like, I'm sorry, like, it, it wasn't my fault. Annabeth gives Percy this look. And Percy internally is like, oh, wait, it, it was my fault. I don't know how, but, like, it was. <laughs> I did that. And it's the first instance we get of Percy kind of being like, oh, this weird freak thing, that was me. Which is, you know, interesting that it's it's Annabeth just looking at him. Like, she, the power of her gaze is, is immense. Uh, I aspire to have a gaze as strong as hers. <laughs> In this, uh, Annabeth has been, like, you know, like, having all of these 
thoughts going through her her head being like what's happening what's been stolen like what's going on what's happening with like the summer solstice etc etc and we see in this moment again that like that's kind of where her her mind is going back to and she's like you need to talk to the oracle the oracle you know we know now that the oracle is the one who gives the prophecy and so that means so that means prophecy incoming coming soon to a theater near you more like in a couple minutes to you what can i say (laughs) um (laughs) this is also uh in this final conversation before they part ways is when we learn that annabeth is a child of athena and she's really hopeful for percy's arrival um and thinking that it means that there's a quest that she can finally join she again she really wants to prove herself we get that conversation earlier with her and we get this uh, kind of (laughs) i think this is a funny quote um where she goes when you came i was hoping i mean athena can get along with just about anybody except for aries and of course she's got the rivalry with poseidon the way i died (laughs) we'll see that this is very funny um i I just (laughs) giggle you know (laughs) um anyways uh we drop percy off he goes back to his cabin uh luke steals some essentials for percy from the camp store and let me tell you (laughs) this is not relevant in a like significant way but reading and like noticing that there's a camp store has really done something to me. <laughs> I have so many questions <laughs> and I had some of, I like, I talked a little bit about them earlier, but like, I have so many questions. Why is there a camp store? Why is it a store? Are they supposed to have money? How? How are they supposed to have money? They're literally in camp. Are they getting, are like, are like they getting paid from working in the strawberry fields? Are they free labor? What is, what is happening? How do they have any money? are like because i'm sure that more like i'm sure that there are kids here who are also orphaned like their mortal parent and so how are they supposed to be getting any kind of mortal money only like can you only buy things in drachmas in which case how do you get that how are these kids making money to go to this camp to go to this camp store buy a new toothbrush like what how do these kids have any money how how do they well, especially because Luke steals the things, which implies that there is a proper way to purchase the items, right? Which implies that there's some kind of, which implies that there's some kind of currency that they have to use to get the items, so like properly purchase them. So like, how are they getting this money? Who is paying them? Is Chiron paying all of these kids who's hr is it mr d like what's going on <laughs> i have so many questions how are they... i don't get any answers but i just i noticed these things and it bothers me i don't I, it'll come up again i'm sorry <laughs> i just how how are they especially because camp store it, the camp store is probably as overpriced as like a college store you know like like call it like if you've ever gone to college and they have like the little like not the bookstore but like sometimes kind of like a corner store but like run by the college campus and things like ramen will be five dollars you know (laughs) things that are really cheap will be like ridiculously expensive but it's the only available one at that time in your area because you go to college in the middle of nowhere and now 
you have to eat something and this is open and it's an exorbitant price, but it's what you have. You know, like, how are these kids affording stuff from the camp store? I don't know. That's why they're stealing, as they should. Anyways, <laughs> we get this lovely conversation between Luke and Percy, um, where Percy feels kind of like an imposter because he's just like, oh my god, Luke is so cool and I'm not cool at all. Oh, yikes. We learn that Luke has met his dad once doesn't really want to elaborate on what happened percy thinks it might have had something to do with his scar we don't get a lot of details we get reiterated again that annabeth really wants to go on a quest and she's waiting for someone special to come to camp um we do get a little like lovely like a dinner intermission where they all go to dinner experience fun magical chalices that provide percy blue cherry coke um, he sacrifices some of his food and asks for his dad to give him a sign, like, please acknowledge me. <laughs> please. We also learned that Capture the Flag, that Annabeth talked about earlier, is on Friday. And they get some good sing-alonging occurring. All together, they go back to cabin, they go to bed. It's like a really, like, sweet moment. And then we see kind of like is what is basically like a book equivalent of a montage like it's, it's basically a montage where like percy's getting acclimated to camp he's he's learning ancient greek from annabeth he's trying all of these other skills with chiron and he really sucks at like everything besides like canoeing he's kind of not really good at this um he does find that he's happy he likes camp as happy as he can be as someone who like lost their parents but like you know he is starting to understand some of that bitterness that he he noticed in luke towards their like godly parent of like this this is kind of ridiculous like why why do i have to live this kind of way where i don't get any kind of acknowledgement at all from my godly parent you know and i think that's a valid thing to be better about but we do see that percy's like maybe 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 i get it and I'm kind of starting to get it. Like, this is this is kind of ridiculous. Like, dude, like, are you going to show your face? Like, are you going to acknowledge me? Like, what is this? <laughs> Percy ends up doing sword fighting with Luke and all of Cabin 11. We get this, like, recurring comment of, like, none of the swords feel balanced in his hand. Suspicious because, I don't know, I mean, it feels like he used a sword in, like, chapter one. And it was, like, super easy for him. So... I don't know, and then that sword just, like, disappeared. I wonder where it went. Um, but that aside, there is a moment during practice where the kids do that sports thing that they do where they dump, like, ice water over themselves to, like, cool off. Or, like, you know how they do that in, like, other sports for, like, celebration and whatnot? Like, that thing. And Percy's, like, looking at it, he's like, oh, that's cool. They're cool. I'm gonna do it. And he just ends up, like, feeling so much better um it's like he like levels up or something <laughs> he's like he's boss level version of himself he's like oh i can do things and then um he he's suddenly like really good at swords fighting and then it wears off and then he's average or below average all over again and they're like what what's happening there i don't know hmm, hmm, hmm. i don't know but another fun water thing so i get an update on grover's situation uh, he's in a limbo. He isn't technically fired from his job, but he's not gonna get another thing. They were like, you're tied to Percy. Uh, if he goes on a quest, you go with him, maybe, if he lets you. And if you could both come back alive, then, like, yeah, we'll promote you. That'll work. <laughs> Which is just such a weird way to do this, but whatever. What do I know? 
what do I know? But like, we're seeing that everything is kind of leading up to Percy getting a quest, getting a prophecy to go on a quest, right? Like this is all, everything is pointing in this direction. And it's also pointing to the underworld. Like every, all of the arrows, that's where they're going. Um, Grover explains the big three pact about not having kids. We've talked about that one earlier today. Today, oh my god, it was like a class. <laughs> Why am I saying it like that? Anyways, we talked about that earlier. And we also learn about Talia, who was a daughter of Zeus and is the, the first child to have come out of Big Three Pact. Uh, she's the daughter of Zeus. And she and two other half-bloods had a satyr assigned to them. And they were trying to make it to Camp Half-Blood safely. And they got all the way up to the hill which is around the same place where Percy had been fighting the Minotaur. They were being hunted down by all three of the Furies, or kindly ones, as well as a lot of hellhounds. They were about to just, like, all kind of die and be overrun when Talia... I say Talia. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize. I'm not going to say Talia. Thalia? Is that what they say? I'm going to say Talia. I'm sorry. I don't know. I I can't consistently pronounce the other one. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to say Talia. I'm sorry. Um, my bad um talia tells the satyr and the other half-bloods to you know make it to safety while she holds them off she ends up dying and i'll just read the little the little quote so talia made her final stand alone at the top of that hill as she died zeus took pity on her he turned her into that pine tree her spirit still helps protect the borders of the valley that's why the hill is called Half-Blood Hill. So, very tragic. We are also getting more pieces to the puzzle that we've gotten throughout these chapters of a mysterious failed attempt on Grover's behalf. And also, Annabeth being really reluctant to share how she got to camp. And Annabeth and Luke both having the same number of beads. I don't know, the math is mathing! Just saying. The math is mathing. It's happening. We're all looking at Grover like, you know this story very well. Hmm, <laughs> hmm, um, But yeah, again, she's asking again about quests to the underworld in particular. Grover is not buying it when Percy's like, no, 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 I'm not thinking about like saving my mom or anything like that. He doesn't say it outright, but like, Grover's like looking at him. He's like, I know, I know what you are. <laughs> I know what you are. Uh, but we do get to play Capture the Flag. We're an NFST slay incredible she made she she said what she wanted and she got it she got percy on her team and i I really love when (laughs) they're they're about to start he has his armor on he's gonna do his thing and he runs up to annabeth like hey what's the plan and she's like you're gonna stand there and look pretty (laughs) basically and he's devastated he's like he's like wow i guess you just really wanted me on your team huh so glad i joined (laughs) he's like he's like really bitter about it it's it's very funny to me basically percy's doing border border patrol and once like everything starts it's clear that he's just being kind of used as bait clarice is on the other team she's leading the other team they all go to beat up percy because that's more fun than winning capture the flag beat up (laughs) he gets uh pushed into the water and he kind of like hulks out <laughs> like being in that water is doing something to him right and he breaks clarice's electric spear which again was a gift from her godly parent Ares. 
so wild that he could just break it. Um, he also is like magically healing his injuries in the water. Wow. Wow. I wonder why the water is so significant. Wow. Um, but Luke ends up running back. He's got the flag. Percy was a distraction and he's pissed. He's not happy. And it pops up and he's like, am I just a tool to you? Like I was, you were just using me. And she's like, Athena always has a plan, which like true, true. <laughs> How can I deny? Um, she's, she's doing 3d chess out here, Annabeth. And, and she's putting the math the, the, the pieces together she's like this and then this she's, she's got the red string in her brain like going all over and these dots a hellhound comes out from the woods and jumps on um percy aiming to attack him uh as soon as the the hellhound lands on percy chiron basically kills it but like it was scary it was a scary moment for him he's like oh my god what's going on is this of the game <laughs> um and dreads and as soon as it's like safe annabeth is insisting to percy that he needs to get back in the water uh oh like i'm okay and she's like no get back in the water um here his injuries start to heal and everybody kind of gasped they're like oh! you know because above percy uh get this trident that appears over his head and he can't see everybody else but everybody else can see very clearly that he has been claimed as a son of poseidon are you surprised? You should be. <laughs> we got all the hints, so we know what we're looking for. Um, a child of Hades or Zeus is gonna be the child of Poseidon. Um, but it is a fun reveal. I think I think it's a really cool, like climactic setup for it. I really liked it. I like the framing. Um, but this means that now Percy is all alone because now he's in cabin three by himself. Um, having a hard time being in cabin three, uh, montage of him noticing that everyone's kind of withdrawing or starting to act really weird around him, uh, from Annabeth being like, oh, Poseidon, like, of course, you know, cause again, as we heard before, the one person her mom doesn't get along with, <laughs> there's two people, but like one of the two, it had to be him, you know, <laughs> it's a funny, it's a funny, uh, thing to occur to her, poor Annabeth she's she's trying what she, she's trying to do whatever she can you know she's trying she's just trying to get through That's, eventually percy gets called to the big house um and is offered to go on a quest or be turned into a dolphin if he so desires um by mr g um we finally learn what is the 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 premise the framing for this book which is that zeus's lightning bolt has been stolen we don't know by who but Zeus is accusing Poseidon, especially now since he has claimed Percy as his son and Percy was in New York, which is where Olympus is, when it went missing, right? And so Poseidon insists that he didn't steal the Master Bolt, but he's also not going to beg Zeus to believe him because they have an ego. And now Percy is not only being framed as a thief by Zeus, this kid is 12 years old, three apples tall, 12 years old, like, bro. Um, but... Percy also has to resolve this or else they are going to fight and it's going to cause a lot of death and destruction. So like, hey, Percy, I know you just lost your mom and like your life and now you're kind of like really alone at camp and like since you've been claimed, but like your dad really needs you to do this thing for him because like Zeus thinks you're a thief, you know? So can you just like clear that up 
for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Percy ends up accepting the quest. They are lucky that he did, but also he didn't really have very much of a choice. <laughs> he really didn't. Um, but now that we've accepted the quest, it means that we're going to go up to see the Oracle. And Percy kind of describes her as like um, a mummy, that she's not alive, but she's like a vessel for these prophecies. And the prophecies that she gives Percy is as such. You shall go west and face the god who has turned. You shall find what was stolen and see it safely returned. You shall be betrayed by one who calls you a friend. And you shall fail to save what matters most in the end. Whew! <laughs> I forgot how much fun it is to have prophecies um, that you can go back to and refer to throughout the book. Oh, so much fun. Um, I've been reading other books and other books don't have prophecies and so it's fun to have one again <laughs> i just, just had the biggest smile on my face like oh we got the prophecy um when percy reports back on the whether or not he got a prophecy and whether or not that means he can actually go on this quest he withholds the second half of the prophecy about betrayal and failing to save what matters most in the end because to him we already know what he's thinking about. What he's thinking about trying to save in the underworld. And let me tell you, it's not that lightning bolt. It is not that master bolt. Percy does not care. <laughs> it is not important to him whatsoever. So just make it known. Make it known. <laughs> but we do some critical thinking. We use our thinking caps. We realize that not only is the god in the West Hades, but the entrance is in L.A., and as they say, uh, they say that naturally it's in LA. <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> I guess that's, the, that's what we're doing today. Um, the trio is determined to be Percy, Grover, and Annabeth. Grover had already been invited and had already accepted. Annabeth is literally so ready to go. Percy's like, yeah, I guess you can go. <laughs> I guess we're doing this. But also he's like, no, actually, I'm kind of grateful. Like, uh, thank you, Annabeth, for coming, you know? <laughs> but like, but like my girl... She's already ready. Like, she is ready. She has had her bag packed for days, you know? Uh, but we also do get the first proper instance of Annabeth calling Percy seaweed brain and then Percy replying with wise girl. So, like, Percybeth Nation, we are winning. This is our moment. This is this is the the root. <laughs> we, the, we are building the foundation as we speak. So exciting. Oh! so exciting um she blushes when he calls her wise girl ah oh, my kids my children i love them so much um remember how i talked earlier though about how like the camp is like contained even in terms of weather yeah it's raining zeus is not having a good time with that <laughs> zeus is like person you need to leave you need to go get that thing that you stole from me you need to return it right because the thunder has been rumbling the whole time that that all of the the proposing of like Percy you should go on a quest has been happening um so like Zeus is like get out of here but like all right we're packing and leaving for the quest like let's go the camp store loans him money <laughs> I'm sorry this is <laughs> this is not important but like but like is he <laughs> is he going into debt <laughs> he's 12 years old is he going into debt does this impact his credit score like <laughs> is does he have like a specific demigod credit score 
that's going to be negatively impacted? Like, why is it a loan? Why didn't he just get the money? He gets $100 and 20 golden drachmas. I know this book is in present day because that money isn't going to get him anywhere. But like, why, why is it a loan? Why is it a loan? Why is the camp store also a bank? <laughs> What's going on? Who's in charge of the camp store? Who's running the camp store? Who's doing that? This mystical camp store. I have so many questions. <laughs> I didn't realize how like recurring this camp store was until I was reading and like taking notes. And I was like, why is this here again? What? How, how do they have any money? What's going on? What is this economy? <laughs> um. So if you have any ideas, maybe I'm just missing it. Maybe it's like straight up in my face and I'm just missing it. Please tell me, uh, is Percy's credit score going to be impacted by this loan that he's taking out against his will? I'd like to know. I'd like to know. <sighs> I hope he doesn't have any big purchases lined up soon. Anyways, <laughs> they'll pack in their goodies. They got their ambrosia, their nectar, maps, extra clothes, the works. And as they're about to leave, Luke comes and he gives them a gift. It's a shoes with wings from Hermes himself wow 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 um he kind of like gives this like very powerful like goodbye of like we're counting on you kind of thing uh Annabeth is blushing up a storm and you know who else is blushing up a storm Percy Percy is also blushing up a storm he's like oh my god he came and gave me a gift oh my god oh my they are both <laughs> very flustered um by Luke's presence <laughs> is so funny um we just love attention it's okay it's okay we do hear from Chiron that like Percy you can't use these shoes I'm sorry you can't fly because like Zeus is your number one hater and so like if you go into this guy you will die <laughs> he'll he'll strike you dead <laughs> don't go into the sky right and so Percy's like Grover do you want him and Grover's like over the moon he's like me He's he's so he's so happy. Um, so Grover gets these magical shoes from Hermes, from Luke. We also finally got the pen back. Do you remember the pen from what feels like four million years ago when we killed Mrs. Dodds the first time? Do you remember that? Do you remember that pen that turned into a sword? Yeah, it's back. Anaclusmos is the name of it. It's ours. Riptide is now ours. That's what the the name is in English, the translation. And you know what? The sword is finally balanced. Cinderella who? I don't know Cinderella. I only know Percy Jackson because that sword is fitting like a glove. <laughs> the sword is sorting. It's amazing. Um, we also learned about celestial bronze. I realized that that's something I didn't mention earlier, but celestial bronze is a special metal. It can cut through monsters, kill monsters, as we've seen, but it can't hurt mortals. Unfortunately, since Percy is a demigod, he can still get hurt by the celestial bronze. He's not immune. Actually, he, he just has double the chances of dying, so, you know, have fun. Um, but after only two weeks at camp, he's o Percy's only been at camp for two weeks. After only two weeks at camp, Percy is getting shoved out the door on his first ever quest. He is literally three apples tall, has no mom, 
deadbeat dad, an anxious best friend, a pen sword, and an overachiever on his team. Like, he's scared, but he's trying to keep it together. Like, he's, he, he's already setting up the, like, there's the main quest, and he has the secondary quest. And he's, he's formulating it in his brain. He's like, we're going to the underworld. We're going to the underworld. I'm going to save my mom. I'm going to save my mom. And I think, I think it was really solidified, too, because Grover explains to us that Gabe, my Gabe, do you guys remember Gabe? Oh my god, that awful man. That Gabe was actually really helpful in protecting Percy because he smelled so bad that it masked the scent of Percy as a demigod. He's, he's saying like, I can even smell Gabe on you now. <laughs> like, woof, you know? <laughs> that, that man smells, but that that's probably the reason that Sally was with Gabe for so long was because that was the way that she could keep Percy safe and home. So Percy's out here like, yeah, I, I gotta, I, I'm gonna get her back. Sorry. Like, I, I'm gonna save her from the underworld. Like, she's, she's coming home with me. I don't know what she wants. It was, it was kind of like a final blow of like, I'm really struggling. I'm being forced to do this thing I don't want to do, but I have to do for this person who has never acknowledged me or spoken to me besides as soon as I become useful to him, you know, talking about Poseidon. I just want my mom back. I'm going to see Hades in this apparent underworld that exists and you know what I'm I'm gonna get my mom back. And I think it's it's like really sweet. I I, I can't blame him for wanting to do that. I just I really can't. I really cannot. Um we do get um some cute bonding moments b- between the trio but once they get on the bus, it's all serious because Grover can smell something and it's making all of them a little nervous. And as we know, satyrs can smell monsters. They can kind of, they get a whiff. They know something's coming. <laughs> Annabeth gets Percy's attention when they're on the bus because the Furies are boarding, but they're boarding as like old ladies. And she's like, hey, hey, Percy. <laughs> and then and they, they kind of formulate a plan. She gives him her Yankees cap, which, by the way, I don't think I've actually mentioned up until this point. So, uh, hi, Annabeth has an invisibility cap that her mom gifted her. It's a Yankees cap, uh, and she loans it to Percy and is like, "Get off the bus! Like they're looking for you, not for us. You also smell more. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you go." Um, and it's, it's working. It seems to be working. Um, Percy's able to get, like, to the front of the bus. He gets, like, right past some of the Furies that, like, stare right at him when he's invisible. But they don't do anything because they don't see him. Right as he's, like, I guess I'm about to get off this bus. He doesn't really want to. He's being very, he's very reluctant to, like, abandon them. Turns around because they do. They're attacking Grover and Annabeth. They're, like, where is it? Where's the thing you stole? Like, give it to us. Uh, it's like he, Percy's gone. Like he's not here. He's not here. He left. Kind of turns into this little this little battle, um, and like the flurry of all of the action. Percy tries to take control of the bus, which is like the worst decision he could have done. But helping them a little bit. Eventually, he takes off the cap and slices up some of the Furies. And in the panic, they escape the bus before it ends up exploding. Psst. <laughs> Sorry, bus sorry all of our things because all of our supplies almost all of our supplies were in the bags that we left in the bus when we were running out of the bus oh yeah 
<laughs> but they do got they gotta go. They have to they have to immediately leave because Mrs. Dodds is calling for reinforcements. So like, we gotta get out of here. We gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta get out of here. Doing that's where that ends. Very fun. <laughs> we're we're in the quest now. We are in the thick of it. But it's optimistic for our ability to talk through these chapters that are remaining. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a fun time. Um, this is going to be where we end off on the second episode. On just like, the bus blew up, guys. And maybe like we get like a final direction. Or maybe it ends right as the bus is blowing up so that we have a cliffhanger of some sorts but i think that somewhere around this sequence is where that episode is going to end exciting very very exciting i think well that about wraps it up for this episode thank you so much for listening if you've made it this far uh one thank you again but also let me know what you think about that dang camp store I can't get it out of my head. How is it working? What are the up? Who's running it? What currency is it in? I don't know. I have lots of questions. Do you think Percy is actually going to be in debt? Please let me know. I'll post it as a as a question. I don't know if that works on all the platforms, but I know it definitely works on the Spotify one. So, and if you can't answer there, uh, feel free to to keep in touch and check it check me out on the socials. I'll have them all linked in the show notes or whatever it's called that little description underneath. I shall see you next week for chapters 11 through 16. Bye!